Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Oh, it's just so cut off the fence. Defensive midfield, three attackers, and then whatever the fuck Harry Kane's doing. Like, I think <laughs> Harry Kane's highlights reel from his tournament is going to be walking around the stadium applauding the fans. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Coleman, a little dink into the middle. Oh, As soon as I'm obviously on the pitch, I'm just, um, you know, at my happiest. Yeah, I never win something for Portugal national team, but I win tonight. <laughs> he can't take it, can he? He can't take it. He just can't take it because we've out-tacticed him, we've outwitted him. I'm so glad. Something uh, unbelievable uh, in my career. Uh, something that I that I deserve. You're playing international football. You're playing international football. Control the bloody ball. Pass it and move to your mates. And if you lose it, run back. And run back like you care. There'll be no apologies made to Jack Grealish. There'll be no English journalists holding their hands up to say they might have gotten it wrong. Not one of them will roll back on the tsunami of shit ticks he's been offering unnecessarily for why the hype around Jack Grealish is overblown. And they weren't even asked questions framed like that. They weren't asked why is Grealish overhyped? They were asked why are the fans clamouring for him so much? And of course they couldn't help themselves but take the contrarian view. The masses must be wrong because they think the masses are a bunch of fucking morons. The masses must be wrong because Jack Grealish doesn't play in a top 6 team whatever the fuck a top 6 team is. Honestly, like he, here is the utter rubbish we've been subjected to from the England manager and from these paid experts. These these pals of mine, as you call them, they're not pals of mine anymore. These these experts that cover English football. Like some of this is just in the last week. Some of it's more long term, but it's been relentless and it's been completely unfair and it's been complete horseshit. If we can be frank, 
Jack Grealish needs Premier League experience. England have <laughs> so many options on the left. England have better players. Grealish needs to do it against better players. Grealish doesn't play Champions League. Grealish doesn't play in a Bielsa-style pressing system. That's a real one from a real journalist. <laughs> Grealish doesn't have the work rate. The fans just like Grealish this much because he's laddie like them. That's a fucking real one from a real journalist as well. <laughs> the fans just like Grealish this much because he's not a top six player. <laughs> he's not a top six player. Like the mental gymnastics of that one. And some of them are saying he's better than Sterling. Quote, that is just absurd. 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 Like whatever, like whatever. Like, you know, I, I, I'll make me peace. I'll think they're absolutely wrong. I'll make me peace if somebody wants to say that they think Sterling is better than Grealish over the last 10 years. Like they call they call it absurd that somebody would say that England's best player is better than one of England's weaker players at the minute is just insulting. This is this is the stuff that we've been hearing, right? Twelve minutes, England goal, Grealish assist, Grealish running at them, freeing up players, putting Sean Sterling away, Grealish winning freeze, England looking miles better than they have done for the whole tournament. And Jack Grealish able to do that without playing against Micheland in the Champions League. And by the way, Jack Grealish only doing that because Mason Mount has to self-isolate. This is the only reason Jack Grealish played tonight. And you know what? It might have been the only reason that they won because they had someone like Grealish able to set up a chance for someone else two yards out with an open net. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating, Colin. I, I feel your pain, as I'm, as I'm sure you know. You had Ray Houghton on Irish Cool Commentary falling over himself to praise Sterling. Not many people want them in the team, but he's showing them. Oh. By nodding in from six inches out. <laughs> I hope it wasn't lost on him. It, it definitely was. That Saka and Grealish were the two players who were responsible for that goal. I mean, it was Saka's initial burst. Grealish's brilliant recovery header standing the fullback up and then delicious cross that made that goal Sterling scored it but it wasn't his goal and look nobody is out to get Sterling and you said this last week Sterling is a brilliant player with incredible ability but he came into the tournament in incredibly bad form and England yes they do have a glitter and array of talent on the flanks and chief among them is Jack Grealish the fact that they're are good players available on the left means it should be shit for all their players. When they saw Grealish declare for England, they should have gone scurrying through their family tree. Because in every other national team, in every other country, apart from Martin and Neil's Ireland, the availability of Jack Grealish is curtains for everyone else. In whatever position the manager wants to play him in, that's it. And it's a wet dream for every other forward that then makes the team. In fairness to Martin O'Neill, he had James McLean. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get at James McLean, he was actually one of Martin O'Neill's better players at the time. But I'm so glad that you mentioned Sterling there. And again, we, we I don't know why we have to qualify this, but it feels like you do because I mentioned some of that, that backlash there from Southgate and Grealish, which seems to intensify the louder that the cries get for England to play their best player. Like this 
the backlash is an equal and opposite response from from journalists trying to justify it on Southgate's behalf as well, and then scoffing, actually scoffing at the at the clamour to get Grealish in. I'm I'm I mentioned it being insulting. It, 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 it's actually it's actually making me angry. Like I was I was say this as, uh, as one of the the most proud Irishmen that you can meet, but I was so happy to see Grealish doing well, or not not happy. I was delighted to see him do well, but. But but it actually wound me up more because I just remembered all these people saying all this shit about him over the last few years and especially over the last few weeks. And when you said that about Sterling, Grealish is in tonight because of Mount. And you and I have never said anything bad about Mason Mount. Of, of course we rate Mason Mount very highly. And I've said this before, it's not a criticism of any of these players. Foden, Mount, Sterling. All amazing players who would do an amazing job at every single team. You could actually play them all alongside Grealish as well. But the fact that Grealish is there means one of them has to lose out. Mount has been good for England. Grealish was way better tonight because that's what Grealish does. Play him number 10, play him on the left, play him on the right. He'll be better than the rest of them. And it's not a dig at any of them. That, and that's it. That's the key here. Is that there's no other country in the world that Jack Grealish wouldn't be the star player for. There's no other country that wouldn't have been building their hopes and ambitions around them for the last five years. But it's it's the real lack of clarity in the thought process that, that bothers me whenever people are talking about it. It's just people, for some reason, looking for excuses. They're overthinking it, but they're not capable of thinking. And that gets a lot of people into a lot of trouble. I mean... <laughs> He needs to do it against better players. Which better players? Yeah. Better defenders than Trent Alexander-Arnold and Virgil van Dijk. And Jack Grealish had five goal involvements in one game against them. <laughs> when they had a defence. Like he's repeatedly made a mockery of the idea that, that Arn Wan-Bissaka is the best one-on-one defender in the country. Yeah. He pissed off Premier League legend Cesar Aspilicueta so much. In an inconsequential game, that Aspilqueta had a little hissy fit and got himself sent off. Liverpool, City, Chelsea are all comfortably in the top 10 teams in Europe. And there are so many good right backs knocking around that the England manager brought four of them to the fucking tournament. And they're only going to play four games. <laughs> and, you know, like we've, we've mentioned the hypocrisy before about. The the idea that he needs to have Premier League experience. This is before, like we were saying, he should be playing in the in the England team long before Villa were a force in the Premier League. But he was told that he has to play in the in the Premier League. And then, of course, Calvin Phillips came in. You always made the fucking amazing point that the players like Hudson Odoi and Ruben Loftus Cheek were in the England team without any Premier League experience, sitting on the Chelsea bench. You know, like that was always excused for these for these top clubs and. That's the really bonkers thing, I think. If these people could take a step back and listen to themselves, these are the same people who were up in arms about the Super League and the notion that six English clubs think that they're they're better and more elite than anybody else and they could fuck over everybody else just to serve themselves. They, like, these people were angry and and they were writing so many pieces and they were on so many talk shows talking about how this is the end of football and not one of them not one of them can respect properly England's best player because he's not playing in one of those six teams 
Only, only am I am I right in saying only four of those six teams have made the fucking top six as well? By the way, <laughs> but but in, in their head, Grealish can never be taken seriously. Like this, like this is the stuff they don't say this word for word, but this is what they're touching on every time they they talk about Grealish and they dismiss him because he's an Aston Villa player. In in their world, Grealish can't be taken seriously until he's playing for a Super League team. Like it's it's, it's fucking bonkers. These people who worry about the future of football and, and talk all the shit in the world about grassroots and and the, and the football league and the traditions of, of England and how strong the Premier League is are so willing to just say that every single good player, any half-decent player, if he's anybody, needs to join one of these clubs and then we'll talk about him, then we'll cover him, then Southgate can start looking at him properly. Fucking disgraceful. Well, it's because they're also lazy-minded as well. They need the affirmation from somebody who they respect as a football manager to let them know that Grealish is actually good. I mean, like I said before, Dean Smith has only ever managed Brentford. What the fuck would he know about football? Yeah, we don't know. We can't tell if Jack Grealish is good whenever he's only playing for Dean Smith. We have to have the the confirmation from Mikel Arteta that he's a good player. You know, Mikel Arteta has to want Grealish. He has to go out and get him before we can guarantee. Before we can guarantee that Grealish is a good player, it's absolutely nonsense. It's bollocks. Jack Grealish's work rate. I mean, these things as well. Whenever people spout these things, these things are so easily checked. These people clearly don't understand football because they can't just tell by looking at Jack Grealish what he is. Yeah. So they then start looking for all their excuses. They're trying to intellectualize it, but they're just revealing themselves to be idiots, especially when it's something like they're talking about work rate. I mean, when you look at running stats, that you should be concerned about for a forward. Jack Grealish is in the upper quadrant for the number of high-intensity runs. And before we disappear down this rabbit hole of Southgate sophistry, speed, Jack Grealish is really fast. Yeah. And just because Jack Grealish can pass the ball, it doesn't mean he can't run, he can't dribble. <laughs> and that's precisely what makes him special. This is what elevates him to the pantheon of great players. I mean, making that argument is what relegates pundits to the to the league of extraordinarily facile gentlemen. I mean, Dean Smith's teams work exceptionally hard, and Jack Grealish works hard enough to be a part of that team, part of a team that had the third most clean sheets. 80% of them before Jack Grealish get injured halfway through the season. Jack Grealish works hard enough to create the most chances from open play in the league, despite missing a third of the season and playing for an apparently shit team. But anybody that needs to resort to stats to understand how Grealish is, Needs to go to a resort. They need to take some time to themselves. <laughs> Fucking evaluate their life, their place in the world. Evaluate their hobbies and their interests because they're not fucking interested in football. Well, that, that's exactly it. I was just going to say, isn't it depressing that you have to go through these arguments and start picking them apart? Like You have to, you have to go through these reasons for Jack Grealish not to play, like work rate, like pressing, and prove them wrong. Like, like you can prove them wrong so easily. But... Why, 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 why should we be doing that? Like this is the equivalent of, of, of VAR looking for reasons to disallow goals. You know that that thing is thrown against VAR. Like we're looking for reasons to not play Jack Grealish rather than looking at the reasons to play him, which completely, completely outweigh any reasons why you wouldn't play him. Even if Jack Grealish wasn't as good a worker as Phil Foden, whoever, like you know you could. You could still get someone out of him. Would somebody not think about football that way? 
you know, especially, especially when you're going to persist with two holding midfielders. It's, it's, uh, it's grim. You could talk all day about it, but it would only get you more angry. It's, it's gotten, it's gotten so bad that genuinely I saw Andros Townsend pitch side tonight for ITV and I thought, <laughs> <laughs> if Gareth Southgate sees him, he, he's ahead of Jack Grealish tomorrow. <laughs> he will just call him in. And, and you talk about the, the speed thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's, how often do so many people just throw out that speed line, you know, like, and it's accepted. So if Gate needs a flyer, he needs someone with genuine pace, you know, and, and they always, for some reason, they take out Mount, Foden and Grealish from that conversation. Like, A, all these boys are fucking flyers. And B, what? Why are you looking for speed? Again, think this thought through. Why do you think you need a flyer in a team? And I assume it's because you think it will create chances. Jack Grealish creates more chances than anybody. Infinitely more chances. Anybody in football. So, whatever you think about him lacking speed, which is wrong, Jack Grealish creates more chances, and that should be your only angle. And that's it. <laughs> just, just one more thing as well. I mean, if you do have Foden, Grealish, Mount, Sancho, Sterling, Rashford, just play some more fucking forwards. <laughs> stop playing stop playing Rice and Phillips that'll look a little less stark whenever Henderson's there but just play more forwards you've got Foden you've got Grealish you've got Mount Sancho Sterling Rashford Kane pick some extra forwards that sets us up very nicely to actually talk a bit more about this game Got incredible horses. The face on some of those lads, like McNeil Wood, like Wood looks like a big, <laughs> a big GA midfielder, doesn't he? Again, will use his arse in every scenario. He, he actually played a blind arse early on in the first half. Does anyone sweat more than Ross Barkley? <laughs> it actually looked like he was going for showers regularly during the game. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? John Walters' arts has never let me down, though. John McGinn's has let me down several occasions this season. <laughs> Rinsed, like absolutely soaking. We don't care about no government warning. Elgazi is too prone to bad runs of form. He had a bit of crack in December and he was due a bad run. He's too patchy, he's too streaky. And that performance was the equivalent of a streak of shit in the toilets of a fucking bus station. Into somebody else's bosom. Bosom of possession, I mean. You know, like a bosom of possession, I mean. The Gareth Southgate, the whole of England is with you, meter. Going up. We're starting with going up. Bakayo Saka. <laughs> Although 
Have you ever seen a manager more relieved that someone else played so well that he can now play him ahead of Grealish as well? <laughs> I, I honestly haven't seen an embrace like that. You know, it was just, it was pure relief rather than pride. It was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But Saka did really well in fairness to him. He did, yeah. And yeah, I, <laughs> we don't need to look for reasons to hate Southgate. <laughs> he might have just actually been embracing a 19-year-old who played his first actually important <laughs> game for the country in a European championship. Oh, uh, that's fair. I didn't realize he was 19. Yeah, and uh, I actually forgot about Saka there as I was listing off the players. That just shows you how much talent they actually yeah. have at their disposal. I didn't name the player of the match tonight only because he managed to stay on the pitch longer than Grealish because of Southgate's desperation to find another player to put ahead of him. Yeah, no, the Saka was, he was superb. Like, you know, we, a lot of people would have thought that Sancho might have been ahead of him in that pecking order, but... um. Jeez, he just it just carries the ball so sharply. Like he's got serious pace on the ball. He usually makes the right decision when he's running out of road. He'll usually win a corner. Like again, just such maturity for somebody that age. He uh, he linked up with Grealish really well, which was great to see because you know this idea that these players who have no experience couldn't possibly play against Czech Republic. Like you know, <laughs> they just play like two players who are way ahead of the standard of Czech Republic and, and they knew it and they didn't they didn't feel like they had to force anything either of them. You know, they weren't trying too hard. They let the game come to them whilst making sure they were in the game as well and not being afraid to to pop it off. And you know, and every time generally Saka got it, there was a bit of pace injected into it. And the same with Grealish. Yeah, and Saka's one of those players that whenever Villa are up against them <laughs> Your body tightens up whenever he gets the ball. You just you're you're more aware of what could happen on the pitch. You know you can sit back and relax whenever it's at Granite Chaka's feet. But whenever <laughs> the ball makes its way to Saka, you are just you're more engrossed in the game. You're checking to see if if target is close enough to Mings. You you know you're looking to see what's on the other side because the ball could just get switched there because we're so panicking about Saka. You're just you're more conscious of Villa's defenders. You're terrified about how much Douglas Louise is going to take the legs from under him and get himself <laughs> sent off. You know, you're just you're just more panicky in general. But, yeah, Saka's brilliant. Add him to the fucking list of an incredibly entitled squad. Yeah. Going down on this meter, taking Jack Grealish off after 68 minutes. You know, you said it there, like the embrace for, for Saka. And, well, I said that. But, like, you, you were saying it. As in, like, he got more time. Like, that's probably why he was better than Grealish in the end. But it, it genuinely felt like he took Grealish off before before Grealish nailed himself on for a start in the next round. Like, and that's what he could have done with the following 25 minutes or whatever it would have been. Like, you know, it was like, right, let's get him off now before like before I've got no choice. The, the, the nightmare scenario that Paul Merson had dreamed up. <laughs> What happens if Grealish rips it up and then he's under pressure to, to play somebody who ripped it up? Like that That's what Southgate seemed to be afraid of. But not only did he bring Grealish off, he brought him off for a defensive midfielder as well. Just like, again, like loads of time for Bellingham. And I think Bellingham should have gotten more game time, not just tonight, but probably over the tournament. I think he would help that that, that midfield too, the same as Henderson. But we'll talk about them in a minute. But 
yeah, just the decision to take Grealish off was was baffling, and Grealish looked upset, but felt like he couldn't be upset considering he's already on eggshells with his twat. <laughs> yeah, I think it it's baffling, but it's not remotely surprising. I was just waiting for it all game, and <laughs> the more good things Jack Grealish did with the ball, the more you were thinking it was going to happen. And I'm sure we'll come back to it at a later stage, but like you know, it just just goes to show you everything you need to know about Southgate, about how pathetic he is, really, that he felt the need to bring on another defensive midfielder. Yeah, it's insane stuff. Grealish was was always coming off, and it was just a matter of when. Like they they came out there in the second half, like even with Grealish and with Saka, who you know who both had amazing first halves. Um, and again, they just offered that. They offered that thing that they were missing for the first two games. Somebody to, to take the ball in a tight area and and just drive a players to take players out with a drop of the shoulder to skip past a tackle to free up other players. Like that's what they did every time they got the ball, and then they just brought others into the game so seamlessly. Like Walker and Shaw, especially like England, were on the front foot way more for the first half. And I do wonder. I assume the halftime instruction was. Was a Jose Mourinho style instruction like you know we're not conceding a goal here because the same team came out Henderson came out instead of instead of Rice, but even even though that that offers him a bit more dynamism in the middle in terms of, of breaking forward they they were deeper it was like you now Grealish and Saka had just dropped into a a four one four one and they were all in their own half and Harry Kane looked like he was playing for Ireland he was that isolated up top. <laughs> he actually did well on a couple of occasions, but just a couple of launch balls towards him. And these players who had looked so good only minutes before weren't up beside him anymore. And it was just a just just a fearful setup yet again for a team who had a lead that they could have lost. And Southgate's talked before about clean sheets and Neville. Every time Neville says something though, I assume he's just been on the phone to Southgate. <laughs> <laughs> and he's talking about like, you know, how, how clean sheets can win them tournaments. And you know, getting clean sheets against Czech Republic and Scotland aren't going to win you tournaments. But yeah, they, they set up so deeply to protect that. And then, like we said, they brought on Bellingham just to add to it. Yeah, like in the first half, Saka and Grealish were doing the things that Sterling used to do. Yeah. And that's why they were so exciting. And that's why Sterling was so exciting up until this season. But yeah, you're right. Gareth Southgate is is Jose Mourinho without the good looks and charisma. He's a regressive <laughs> bore who is so fear-ridden that he thinks the best way to control a game is to not play in it. I mean, this is two managers who are so limited in their actual ability to coach a team how to defend that they need to convince all 10 outfield players to get behind the ball at all times. <laughs> and what is the purpose of this? They weren't playing France or Portugal. They were yeah. playing Czech Republic. They were playing Scotland. Beat them. I mean, does he think this is good practice for those games that are coming that, up? You know, that's exactly it. It's not keeping clean sheets against these teams is not going to be the same as trying to keep a clean sheet against a good team. And the better practice would have been trying to score goals. Like, you know, yeah, scoring, exactly. Scoring two goals in a shit group over three games. Is they're going to need to fucking score to beat France or Scotland, or France, or Scotland <laughs> France or Portugal, and they're not looking like doing it unless they play Grealish, which they won't. 
Well, like, yeah, exactly. I mean, seeing out a game against Slavia Prague's Thomas Holish and <laughs> Lucas Maspust is not the same as playing against Pogba and Mbappe. <laughs> I mean, holding on against McGinn, Gilmore, and McGregor is good practice for the ferocity of Mancini's Italy. Is, is that what this guy thinks? I mean, and does he actually think, does anybody with any ability to reason actually think that these incredible players that Southgate has can't pass the ball to each other if they're given the game plan the sets the patterns did he really think that these players can't hold onto the ball does Gary Neville really think that they can't go toe-to-toe with these teams that the players wouldn't be able to keep possession against fucking Spain I mean if they do we better get Smith Klopp Bielsa Tuchel and Guardiola on the phone someone needs to warn them they need to sign a hell of a lot of new players because these boys aren't up to it. These boys that have been doing it for the last three fucking years, dominating the Champions League and the Premier League. Get a fucking grip. Gary Neville does think that. Like that, He said it before the tournament in that big argument with with uh, Jamie Carragher about Croatia of all the teams. And he and he doubled down when he said that like, you know, they, England can't, they can't go into a tournament like that. That's not how England play. These... these these like, that that's the ironic thing. Those players that are English, his point was they have sixty five percent possession with their clubs. They won't have that with England. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same players. Just tell them to do that with England. You know, but they'll only have thirty five percent or thirty percent with England. And and like let, let's jump into this category. We'll come back to this meter. So the Gar- Gary Neville Maguire is England's most important player. Worst take award. The only nomination I have tonight is Gary Neville. Um, <laughs> and, and you and I spoke about this on the second Euros podcast. You can go back and listen to that if you want. But, you know, we, we talked about England. It's about time they competed. They have to, they've got the good enough team to compete with France and Portugal. We said that. Go back and listen to it. But Gary Neville made it worse tonight with his quote. I've said it before. England aren't going to win this tournament by outplaying France, Portugal, Spain. <laughs> Spain. Spain have, Spain have two points. Spain might not even go through in their group. They've drawn with Poland and Sweden. Like Spain are stinking up the group that Ireland should have been in. Ireland could have got a lash at Spain. <laughs> like Spain are fodder for everybody at the minute who's watching because they're able to pass the ball around without doing anything else. And Gary Neville thinks that, that there's no way <laughs> like who who are Spain's team? Like who is better than Foden, than than Grealish, than Mount? And we can keep going through these players all the time. Why the fuck could an England outplay Spain when when Poland could? <laughs> Spain's Spain's best midfielder, Koke, is a man that Diego Costa, his fucking teammate, told his manager to not let hit a penalty in a shootout. Because he knew the cut of the man. He knew the weight of his of his ability to dominate a game. He knew he knew what Koki was made of. He told his manager, don't let Koki hit a penalty. And sure enough, when Koki missed, Diego Costa was there looking down the line at Fernando Hierro, letting him know what he thought of him and what he thought of Spain's Koki, the man. Jordan Henderson couldn't possibly take to task on a football pitch. 
Congratulations, Gary Neville, on another award. Let's, <laughs> let's get back to the Gareth Southgate. The whole of England is worth you, Meter. Going down, Jane Sancho. Um, <laughs> I mean, not Jane Sancho going down. The decision to give him nine minutes or whatever it was. Did, did he have to play Sterling? Like, did, does, does he not want to see himself who's at the pitch in this tournament? Because at the minute, it looks like he, he should definitely have a look around. Because... The, the other players aren't like aren't exactly lighting it up. Why? Like, what's what's the problem with Sancho? Would he not? They're already through. They should be beating Czech Republic. They beat them five 0 last time they played. And is is it really that big a risk to play Sancho instead of Sterling? Like you know, the Saka thing it, it turned out to be good, but the idea that Sterling just had to play anyway is weird. Uh, we we can only assume that Jaden Sancho has smacked Gareth Southgate's ma or something. But there's no. <laughs> There's no explanation for this at all. I mean, not only should he have been on the pitch from the start tonight, he's had plenty of opportunities to bring him on in the last couple of games because, like you said, in an absolutely horrendous group, England have scored two goals in three games. That forward line has been begging out to be freshened up in every game. And Sancho's gotten nine minutes. Well, that forward line, I don't think, has helped by well obviously the setup but the the two midfielders and that that's the last the, the last topic on on this meter and it's going down as well like the, everything changed tonight well not everything you know walker came back in and mcguire came in and, and and the forward line obviously changed or the attack but the two midfielders just that just had to remain of of, of all the things that stayed the same. I, I can't believe that it's it's the two midfielders that that retained their place. And maybe he's looking thinking look Henderson's gonna be the, the guy for the for the bigger game, so he only wants to give him half a game anyway. But they, they, they just need they need more I said the word dynamism already. Like we we praise Calvin Phillips for his performance against Croatia because he didn't just sit there and do nothing, he, he, he went off, he was let off the leash, he went and affected play, I don't know, was he told off for that? Because <laughs> he hasn't done anything in the last two games, but bars in the players, he's, he's disappeared, he's just sitting there, tackling, and he's not doing anything particularly bad, neither is Rice, Rice is a good player, but but they're just sitting so deep, not affecting the play, taking up a place for somebody else to play, and, and they're cutting off the forward line, so like, if they have, like tonight, they have Still three class attackers outside, uh, who are playing off Kane as well, a class attacker. But they seem cut off. It seems like it's tough for them to get the ball, no matter how good they are. And they just need something else back there. And I know I know, maybe it's okay as an armchair pundit and, and maybe I'm just too purist, but I'm looking at that tonight thinking they, they do really need, like whatever about Henderson coming in, I think they need, they need Foden in there or they need Mount in there. They need somebody else to to be able to play some football and draw a challenge and draw a tackle and carry the ball through the lines and, and link up with the forward line because at the minute it's just it, there's so much demarcation through the lines of England and the fullbacks got got into it a bit more tonight. But it's just so cut off. Defence, defensive midfield, three attackers, and then whatever the fuck Harry Kane's doing. Like... <laughs> I think Harry Kane's highlights reel from his tournament is going to be walking around the stadium applauding the fans. 
Yeah, yeah, they certainly they certainly don't need both of them, especially because both of them are playing in the same way. Like that that wouldn't be my that wouldn't be my preference. I mean, you can try and get more dynamism into that midfield, but maybe an international manager doesn't have the doesn't have the time to coach them when to go, when who's sitting and who's going and how to get those patterns into the game. But what they can certainly instill in the team is that now that we have two defensive midfielders who are doing fuck all else, and it happened a bit more tonight, but it could have happened a lot more, Walker and Shaw can just go. Yeah. Like, they're essentially playing with four defenders back there anyway with those two lads, so let the two fullbacks go. And Shaw and Walker. Sure, they could be at the corner flag and I'd be at the halfway line and they'd beat me to the England's nets. Yeah. They're, they're, they're absolutely ideal for this system of playing two fullbacks or two defensive midfielders. Let them go. I, I thought that was Walker's play anyway. I thought that was his thing. Like recovering, like coming back 100 <laughs> metres when somebody loses the ball. If he loses the ball, he just charges back and and just sucks the oxygen out of the other. Like, it's actually it's so tough for people to criticise him because he just comes back, gets his back in the way. And nudges the ball back to the keeper. And he tosses it so easily that it never seems like an issue that he loses the ball. Yeah, Kyle Walker is my absolute nightmare. I I, I can't think of a player in world football I would less likely play against. He's just too fast, too strong, and too fucking determined to get back yeah. in. And he's got a lot of nose as well. I mean, that man knows when to cover in behind. And that just that should give you more freedom on the pitch. It should give the rest of the players more confidence. It should allow you to develop more interest in plays. And it shouldn't mean that you just have two players sitting there, but your two fullbacks not allowed to do much either. I was watching that game tonight thinking that midfield, like e- e- even if they're solid defensively, like, they're just they're crying out to be spanked by a decent team. And I was just thinking about the French midfield cutting through them when they turn over the ball. Uh, or you know, just anybody with an idea, like you know, Germany. Just the, the way Germany pass the ball so quickly, and, and they're brave in possession, and they'll play it around the corner. And like, there's a lot of space in there, even though those two boys are there because they're sitting so deep. And I think England, they're uh, they're in trouble. We'll, we'll maybe talk about who they are playing before they do play them next Monday or Tuesday. But um. Oh, it, it's perilous in there, even though Southgate might think that, that they're protected. I, I don't think they are. Well, it's it's like Neville didn't learn anything from the game against Italy in 2012 when Pirlo just passed England off the pitch. And it's the same thing is going to happen as soon as they play against a good team. They won't be able to live with that. Yeah. You just can't do it. And, and that Italy team wasn't particularly good either. But they absolutely battered England into the ground. And if that's what Southgate is building towards, that seems to be what he's doing. He's building towards getting spanked by a team yeah. in terms of possession and chances conceded. And good fucking luck to him, because he's going to need it. It's football manager stuff. Like He thinks he's okay now because he's got Mason Mount who can... like The idea is that Mount will be able to put pressure on the Pirlo type of player or the Modric type of player while still being able to contribute in an attacking sense. And, you know, Mount will help with that. But, like, you're talking about they're going to start facing better and better players. They're going to start facing Kante. They're going to start facing Bruno Fernandes. Like, 
they could just start facing good players who aren't going to be put off by an attacking player standing in some space in midfield. They'll find space. They'll hurt England. And like I said, there's a lot of space in there. They're going to they're going to snuff it out. And they've got so many good players that they can pick out as well. This is why it would have been good for England to maybe come with that approach as well of using their good players and trying to hurt all of them. <laughs> what do I know? Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Read you out a quote before the game. The biggest job Harry Kane has tonight, along with Maguire, is settling this young team down. <laughs> Can I ask, who the fuck does Gary Neville think Harry Maguire is? I, I, I'm not, I, I don't want to hate on Harry Maguire unnecessarily. Maguire did nothing wrong tonight. Maguire is fine. I think that's the word you use, and it's perfect to describe him. Harry Maguire isn't a terrible player. I just don't know why Gary Neville is persistent in trying to talk him into Franz Beckenbauer. <laughs> just, just just, let it happen. He might end up becoming that good, who knows. But because he's a Manchester United captain, Gary Neville feels like he you know, has a license to just elevate this guy into, into hero status, leader status, into, into any status that somebody, some of these England superstars would be looking up to him. You know, like as if Harry Maguire being dropped into that game tonight was now going to finally settle down Jack Grealish and, <laughs> and all these other players like John Stones, Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw. Like, what what difference would Harry Maguire make to their lives? Raheem Sterling. It, it's just it's just weird that, that he can say, you know, I, I can see why he might be saying that about Kane. Kane's the captain. Kane needs to start scoring goals. Kane needs to get involved a bit more. And that will help settle the team down here under a bit of pressure. Like, what what would Maguire contribute to that? Again, I'm not I'm not just hating on him. I'm I'm hating on Gary Neville just constantly trying to slip under the fence that Harry Maguire is way better than he is. Basically, well, also trying to slip under the fence that these players need leadership. Yeah, I mean, the match started off with a great ball over the top from England's young and inexperienced two-time PFA Team of the Year member, Luke Shaw, <laughs> who turns 26 in three weeks' time. Like, he probably learned a lot from and was almost certainly thankful for having the wise old head of 28-year-old Harry Maguire next to him. <laughs> a 28-year-old with less Premier League games under his belt than the 25-year-old Luke Shaw, who missed a year with a broken leg. Yeah. To his fucking right, half of the champions back four, who've collected more trophies in England than Harry Maguire has convictions in Greece. <laughs> fucking Aston Villa's captain, Spurs' captain, West Ham's captain, who was replaced by Jordan fucking Henderson, for fuck's sake. 50% of Gareth Southgate's preferred team started the Champions League final three weeks ago. <laughs> Like, this isn't a young, naive squad in desperate need of leadership. It's a brilliant squad that needs to have the shackles taken off. Yeah. Like, Harry Maguire isn't a steady hand on the tiller. He's a fucking siren calling England to shipwreck. Go back and watch Man United's mortifying exit from the Champions League. Go back and watch Neymar's goal. PSG's third. It's fucking humiliating for England's leader. England's rock. The man they can't do without. Grow up, Gary Neville. 
<laughs> he was also just dropped into the England team in the World Cup as well, like two years ago. Like, <laughs> you know. Anyway, so, <laughs> the last one, the questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is Bukayo Saka an ambitious enough player to back himself to come to Aston Villa and fight for his place? Oh, yeah. Sure, I mean, like, let's get the conspiracy theory starting here. Like, Jack really said, Jack really said he thinks Saka's the funniest player in the England yeah. team. That's all the evidence I need that Saka is trying to get his way into Jack Grealish's good books. He's bothering him up. He's trying to make him liked. He's trying to get himself into Dean Smith's Aston Villa, undoubtedly. I think that's clear. Like, I think Agent Jack has been working on him. I think Saka, <laughs> Saka's crying to get out of Arsenal. I think, you know, uh, maybe Villa don't need him with Buendia and with Grealish and, you know, and Ashley Young. But I, I think Saka could definitely play his part and definitely learn from some of these players. And you know, if Smith Rowe comes as well, it's another player who has a lot to learn. And, uh, you know, maybe he could make a step up. I don't know. I think Saka's probably closer to making that step up. It'd be worth a shot. Like, I, I don't know how many Aston Villa fans be wanting to spend too much money on more Arsenal players. You know, you don't want to be, it could end up being like the Southampton Liverpool thing. But a lot mm. of those Southampton players worked out well for Liverpool. Eventually, yeah. Yeah, so you know, I'd say let's do it. Let, you know, if if we want to take two of them, great. I, I would, I would just take Saka. Obviously, he's the one crying out to be we're, signed by. Villa. We're more in need of a winger, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, let's let's make it happen. Let's see how he does. I'm like, we can always send him back out and loan if he doesn't. If he doesn't make the step up, give uh, him yeah. another year there to develop. Yeah, like, yeah, buy him. Let let Arsenal keep him. Yeah. Um, get him used to a relegation playoff. You know, like it'd be a relegation fight. He'll he'll be he'll be better for that experience, and then he can come into the Villa team ready to to fight. Yes, look, if I was at a a club with a fan base as embarrassing and as cringeworthy as Arsenal's, I'd be looking for a move as well. Anywhere would fucking do, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, um, it's actually just great that Villa are sticking their finger in Arsenal's face now and uh, just bidding to buy their players after all the shit talk all the delusion of Arsenal fans talking about trying to buy Jack Grealish now they're after James Madison they finally gave it up on Grealish maybe they realise that uh, maybe they realise that he's just out of their league they've gone down to fucking pound value Jack Grealish that is <laughs> that really is embarrassing <laughs> but anyway thanks for listening and thanks as always to look. 1977.com get yourself over there to get yourself a a 20% discount by using the code Vyman the surname of Andres Vyman if anybody is wondering you shouldn't be wondering at this stage but um, yeah get yourself a nice discount there and we'll see you when we see you probably before the next England game we'll probably talk a bit more about Gareth Southgate don't think we got into it enough for the last <laughs> three episodes but thanks for listening and don't be afraid to get in touch See you later. Bye. That wind is calling my name And I won't wait Or I'll never get on Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.